Good morning. Welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us today as we get into the Word of God. Talk about it. Think about it. Ask ourselves what it's really saying and then allow it to change our lives. I'm glad you're along with me. If you're new, I hope you do subscribe. Join our community because we're here every day live and we love to talk about the Word. We'd love you to be a part of it as well. I'd like to talk this morning about what do you think, what do you think, what I think is one of the most controversial verses in the Bible. That's right, and one that many people wonder, how do we interpret it? And I say controversial because this is not only controversial with non-Christians, this is controversial with Christians. There's many controversial verses in the Bible, many places where people say, well, how do you interpret it? This one, I think, might be number one, because it's actually the very first verse in the Bible. And it simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're talking about Genesis chapter one. And we're entering into and discussing this week, the next week or two, this controversy between our origins. How did the universe come to be? How did the earth come to be? How did you and I come to be? How did the first humans come to be? How did life start? These are big, 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 big questions that affect how we look at life, and we're talking about what does the Bible say, and what does the world challenge with it? But today we want to look at what does the Bible say? We can't, we can't know how to defend it if we're not clear on what it says. So let's, first of all, talk about this idea of Bible interpretation. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter tells us, that it's important that we interpret the Bible clearly. And he makes this point. We saw this a couple weeks ago when we were studying in Peter. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, and might I add, no Scripture whatsoever. He's talking about prophecy, but, but also all Scripture. No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For men moved by the Holy Spirit, for, excuse me, for no, one, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Can we agree, first of all, that it's not a matter of, well, that's what you think, that's what I think, that's your interpretation, that's my interpretation. So how are we to interpret the Bible? I go by a basic principle, and that is that we are to understand the Scripture as the writer intended his readers to understand, all right? As the writer intended his readers to understand. Now, there are obviously places that are to be taken literally, historically literally, and there are other places that obviously should be taken metaphorically or a parable or an allegory. When we hear a parable, say, of the prodigal son, was Jesus telling the story about a particular man who left, got fed up with his life, and came home and asked his father's forgiveness? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. He doesn't give us the details, doesn't give us names, places, things like this. That's a parable. What really matters is only the the message, the importance of the story. How about when Jesus says, I'm the door, no one comes in but through me? Did he mean he was a piece of wood with a knob on it? Obviously not. He's the way in. He's the entrance. Was that to be taken literally? It's to be taken as a metaphor because that's obviously what the writer, the speaker intended for us to interpret. And that's how we've got to interpret. And most of Scripture is pretty clear like that. But then there are some places that are a little bit more clear, you know, less clear, excuse me. People wonder, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Did the Red Sea really divide? 
Did God really create the earth in six days? And I believe there are clues that we can, when we look at these things, to help us understand what did the reader intend. So let's take a little look here this morning at Genesis chapter 1. And the first thing I'd like to see is that six times, literally seven times, I mean, six times we have this phrase repeated, and then the seventh time it's implied. In Genesis 1, verse 5, and there is evening and there is morning, one day. Verse 8, and there is evening and there was morning, a second day. Verse 13, there is evening and there is morning, a third day. Verse 19, there is evening and there is morning, a fourth day. Verse 23, there is evening and there is morning, a fifth day. Verse 31, there was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. There's something repetitive here. When it's repeated that often, you've got to think, well, he, had, he was telling us something. What was he saying? There was evening and there was morning. There was a day. This is how we would define a day today. This is how we'd understand a day today. And so, obviously, anyone would, simply reading that, if you weren't trying to impose other thoughts or other ideas or other information upon it, you would assume that's talking about six days. God created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh, for Genesis 2, 1 through 3. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work and he rested. You would think of this, you would ask, well, there's, how else would you take this? It gives us historical data, what happened on each day. It just gives us a time frame, evening and morning, and describes it as a day. Are there other scriptures, though, that would imply that this was a literal six-day creation? To me, a really powerful scripture is found in the Ten Commandments. Do you realize the Ten Commandments are the only place in the Bible specifically written by the actual finger of God? Throughout scripture, God moved upon holy men to write the scripture. And we believe that the words given and used through the various writers of scripture, there were about 40 of them, the words given were the very words of God. It was inspired. It's the, it is the word of God. But there is one spot in Scripture where God literally writes out with his own hand. And that's the thing, the Ten Commandments were written by God on these stones. Let's read the fourth commandment. It says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you shall not do any work. Why? Why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The concept of working six days and resting on the seventh day Come and the Ten Commandments comes directly from the creation work account. I find how how could you and what mental gymnastics would you use to say that we're to work six days and rest the seventh because the Lord worked six days and rested on the seventh, but the word day doesn't mean the same thing in that same paragraph. I just it, it's a hurdle that I just can't get over personally when I think of a six-day creation. You know, it's interesting. By the way, God gave us the moon and the sun, 
And he said that by them would be considered days, months, years, seasons, and so on. It's interesting to me to think, what is a day? How do we know what a day is? Well, a day is when the earth rotates once and we have evening and morning, day and light, day and night. Well, how do we have a month? Well, month is determined by the this moon uh, rotate, r- moving around the earth. Well, how do we have a year? Well, year is given by the, the time that it takes for the earth to move around the sun. Why do we have a week? Do you know all over the world people have a week? Why do we have a seven-day week? It's not based on the sun. It's not based on the moon. It's not based on any signs in the heavens. It comes from the creation week, the literal creation week. And people all over the world have this week. And whether they know it or not, I believe it goes back to the creation week. Well, Exodus, the Ten Commandments, that's a pretty powerful argument. But what about Jesus? What did Jesus say? Look where he says in Matthew 19, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? Notice where Jesus goes as his authority. Have you not read? Don't you know it's in the scripture? Christians, this needs to be our authority. I sincerely believe that people who struggle with the idea of our origins and what really are they, it's because they they give credibility and credence to what we call science or what scientists tell us instead of giving the credibility and credence to the Scripture. It's one thing to try and say, well, the science we know is true. We know the science is accurate, and we're going to try and see if we can fit the Bible into that. What I'd like to say is I know the Scripture is true. I know the Scripture is accurate. Now, I'll admit it's possible I misunderstand them. The Bible's true. You and I could be wrong. We could misunderstand. But I'm going to start with the precept, the basis. The Bible's true. I want to understand the Bible first. And then I'm going to look at the things around me. And I'm going to ask, how could that be understood? Can it be understood to fit into the biblical narrative and to be supportive of the biblical narrative? If it is, if it can be, that's the word I'm going with. I'm not starting with my observation and my human. See, we're fallible. The Scripture's infallible. So I want to start with the Word of God, not with what I think, how I understand, or how some scientist understands something historically that no one was there to see, but it's just how we understand or interpret certain data. But there's another important thing here. Jesus described, in Luke, we see the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I didn't have time to write it all out here. But you can read it in Luke chapter 3, 23 through 38. And in this genealogy, it says of Jesus, you know, he was the, the son of uh, Joseph, the son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. It goes all the way back through Abraham, through David, and it goes back to Adam and the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ leading all the way to Adam. People who deny the historical accuracy of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, they usually believe that Adam was not a real person. They can't believe he is a real person. They believe he, you know, they, they, I mean, I suppose they can, but it doesn't fit their narrative. It's not, it's not solid thinking 
if they don't believe Genesis is real, but they think somehow Adam was. Well, if Adam wasn't real, was Seth? If Seth wasn't real, was his son? If his son wasn't real, well, was, was Abraham real? If Abraham wasn't real, was, was you know, Jacob, the tribes of Israel? If was was David real? Was Joseph real? Was Jesus real? In this genealogy, you have to ask from Adam directly to Jesus, in what kind of biblical interpretation can you believe Jesus was real, Joseph was real, David was real, but somehow you get back to Adam was mythological. He wasn't real. He was representative of of a, a Neanderthals or something of this nature. This is a serious Bible interpretation problem. So I've laid out some things about what I believe. I do believe in a literal six-day creation. I don't believe that reflected eras or ages or thousands or millions of years. I believe in a young earth. Now, I realize there's good Christians who disagree with me, and I realize there's some really smart people who disagree with me. And sometimes I ask myself, are there tough questions that we young earth creationists need to answer? Yes, but I think there's tough questions that the atheists need to answer, the naturalists need to answer, the old earth creationists need to answer, the evolution, they call themselves evolutionary creationists, all these different people, there's tough questions they need to answer too. And sometimes I ask, which set of tough questions am I willing to live with? With me, I'm going to stand at this point. I could be changed, but I'm pretty sure, and my conviction's pretty strong, that God created the earth just as Genesis said, six literal days, 24-hour days, not that long ago. Father in heaven, we praise you and bless you as the creator of the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that's in them. We believe, Lord, that you said you did that in six days. What a miracle. What an amazing God you are. What a powerful God you are. What you spoke and it happened. Out of nothing it came forth. Life came forth. Humans, fish, cattle, birds, animals on land. Lord, it all came forth at your word, at your command. What an amazingly intelligent God you are. What an amazing creator you are. And it all interacts. The plants need the an, the animals, and we need the plants, and we how we eat, and and the exchange of of oxygen and carbon dioxide, and how the sun causes things to grow. Lord, what an amazing world you made! It did not happen by chance. There is an awesome God behind it, and you deserve to be worshipped. And we do worship you, and we give you praise. We declare that we've been magnificently made. We're a miracle. And we thank you for that. Oh, Lord, we bless you. We're grieved at how your glory is being robbed by so many who think all this happened without you. Oh, Lord, might we understand these truths. Might we glory in them, glory in our God, give you praise, worship you as the God who is our creator. Know this, the Lord made us, and we praise you and bless you. Today, might we walk as creations of God. Might we walk today, live our lives knowing that you we're no accident. We're not an evolutionary chance. We were made by Almighty God, and you have a purpose for us. And for this, we give you praise and thanks. We worship you today in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Wow. Hallelujah. I love the Word of God. And I'll tell you something, you might say, Tom, that's kind of, you really believe that stuff? 
Be with me over the next couple weeks, and I'm going to show you why. I believe it because it's in the Word of God. That settles it. I believe it. It's true. But I'm also going to show you why, plenty of reasons why the evidence is on our side. So if you're new today, welcome. I'm glad you're with us. Love having you along. And I pray that you will join with our community. Subscribe, join our community, hit the like button, leave a comment below. I'd like to know where you're from and who you are, okay? Come back and join us day by day. We're here live, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, or you can watch the uh, later in the day or listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. If you're here regularly, I love you guys. Thanks for being with me. Tell your friends, this is important. This stuff is important. This failing to understand and defend these areas is why we're losing the next generation. We need to know this stuff. So I hope you'll join me every day. So until we meet tomorrow, might God strengthen you, bless you, empower you, give you confidence and courage. I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.